Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials, and today's episode is with Diljeet Taylor. Diljeet is the BYU women's cross-country and distance coach. They finished second this past year in the country in cross-country, and they were absolutely fantastic. She is absolutely one of the best running coaches in America at any level, and I was really excited to talk with her about how the coronavirus has affected her team, not only at BYU, but the people that she's who people who she's coaching, excuse me, after college who are also preparing for the Olympic trials, how it affects recruiting, and just a coach's life in general, especially at the college level, as you well know. Basically, every college in America right now is shut down, closed down. All the track um, events and national championships have already been uh, suspended and canceled. So it's just a very interesting and tough time, not only for the coaches, but most certainly for the athletes. And I couldn't get, I couldn't wait, I should say, for Diljeet to come on the episode to talk about all of these things, because not only is she so well-respected and certainly deserves every bit of that, but she's so well-spoken and speaks, frankly, far better than I'm speaking in this introduction. So I couldn't wait to talk to her, and I can't wait for you to hear that. Before we get into it, I do want to give you a heads up yesterday. We started the brand new Running Podcasters Challenge. So this was through the Rambling Runner podcast as well as Road to the Olympic Trials. Basically, we're getting eight running podcasters to have a little competition for the Rambling Runner virtual uh, race series, the 5K, the 10K, and the half marathon. So we got Lindsey Hine, Kerry Tollefson, Abby Stanley, Lauren Flores, Jason Fitzgerald, Mario Fraioli, Chris Chavez, and myself, four teams of two competing over those three races to see who is best. And I can't wait. You can learn more about that at theramblingrunner.com. Also, the best place to really find out more information about this as well is our new uh, Strava Run Club, Rambling Runner Run Club. Go on to Strava and you can get it there. Also, it's just strava.com slash club slash runner. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Diljeet Taylor. Hello, Diljeet, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I feel so bad. I sent you a message a couple of days ago and said, hey, I'd love for you to come on the show. It's really interesting times um, in your world. Is this something you could do in the next couple of days? I know this is short notice. And you're like, I have nothing but time. And it was like, I was excited to get you on the show, but it was a heartbreaking thing to read at the same moment. Yeah, it's actually a little bit interesting trying to figure out what the day looks like because as coaches or just being in the sport world, so much of our schedule is determined based around our athletes and around competition. Uh, and when that frees up, you almost are a little bit lost, like, okay, what now? So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for sure, just trying to figure out what our days look like. And, and really, like I had mentioned, we're living in the unknown right now. And so, um, just really having to rely a lot on faith and being hopeful that things will work out very quickly. Yeah. I saw a uh, tweet that Allison Wade put out. Allison Wade is the one who is the woman who coordinates the fast women newsletter. And she says something like, I can't imagine what college coaches are doing right now, considering they probably haven't had an off day in about two decades. 
Yeah. And, and really looking at the schedule a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the spring and summer schedule and I did not have a free weekend until July. Um, and all of a sudden every weekend is a free weekend. It looks like, and I don't, I don't necessarily like it. So a little bit of an adjustment. Yeah, for sure. And both you and I work in college athletics. This is my last week on the job before I go full-time with the podcast, but I'm in it right now. And I've been able to see the ins and outs of just the email communication within our athletic department at Johnson and Wales. And I'm sure that something similar is happening on your end. I guess first things first, when did things start to happen in terms of your department and your university, BYU, about how they're going to or how they are starting to come to grips with with uh, the coronavirus and what its potential effect could happen? Well, we were out at the NCAA championships in Albuquerque, New Mexico with our indoor team waiting for uh, the NCAA track championships to start. And so we didn't really receive information from our athletic department until the NCAA had canceled the championships on Thursday afternoon. And at that time, we received communication to just get on the first flight home that we could. And we had a staff meeting. Our administrators have been on top of this. I feel like they've done a really good job of communicating with us coaches as to what this looks like. But it's changing so rapidly that I feel like we're going to be continuing to get daily, if not hourly, updates about what this looks like for our student athletes and what the school system looks like and what is remaining open and what is closing, what they expect from us as coaches, just the changes are, are, it's so much stuff that we're just kind of like waiting to hear from them. Um, but obviously that Thursday, just a lot of devastation from the athletes and, and from the coaches, it was something that we've never experienced. There's nothing really that trains you for this sort of situation. And so I think our administrators are also waiting for information to come through and then they're processing it and then applying it to us and we're processing it and then applying it to our student athletes who are then processing it and applying it to their own lives. So I think there's a lot of processing going on uh, alongside a ton of shock because, again, this is something that we have not experienced in our lifetime. And as a coach who's trying to you know look, look ahead and set schedules and prepare their athletes or student athletes for all the things that could be on the horizon – how much were you looking at just the broader landscape of the virus and the potential pandemic and all of those things and trying to figure out on your own, like, okay, what, what are the potential outcomes here? And what, if I can prepare myself, what I should be preparing myself and my athletes for before like the initial announcement came down about the indoor meet and then later on about all spring championships and the like. Well, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe anyways. And so we, I had my athletes, some of them were wearing masks when we traveled to Seattle back in January uh, and really practicing hand washing, don't share food. I mean, don't share drinks, don't give high fives. We're going to do elbows only. So we were taking the precautions of just naturally trying to um, keep everyone healthy. And that's something that is a little bit common as a coach when you're coaching in January, February, and March, because we tend to see a little bit of a rise in the flu season and you don't want any of your athletes to miss out on practices or competition because of that. But this time I feel like we took it a step further with even just buying the masks and wearing those on the plane. Um, didn't really think it was going to go this direction. Although looking at what was happening globally, kind of there was a little bit of a fear in the back of, 
of my mind. And, and maybe that's because I'm a little bit of a worrier or um, as it got closer and things weren't getting better and we were kind of seeing what was happening in China and then in Europe as well. There was a little bit of fear going into the championships, just like we don't know what this looks like. Never did I think that they would cancel the indoor championships or the outdoor season. Um, and at that moment when that happened, I think that's when I thought, okay, this is something that we really need to practice social distancing and kind of just take a little bit of a break from organized practice and really try to flatten the curve as, is what is the responsible thing to do. But as an athlete and a coach from this standpoint, completely devastating for, you know, being on the track 24 hours before the NCAA championships are about to kick off, looking to win some titles, rank number one in the DMR, rank number one in the 3K, women who have been, you know, dedicated to to their craft for the last couple of years have really worked themselves up to get to this point. And while I know this pandemic is bigger than track and field, I completely understand that. And, and safety always comes first. But in that moment, without realizing the direction that the coronavirus was going, it was, it was completely devastating. And, and again, just having to process that. And now moving forward, we really are just waiting for information. Okay. What, what can we do? What is allowed? What isn't allowed? What are the recommendations? And as athletes and coaches, I think one of the things that we pride ourselves on is, is being in control. And so when that control is taken away, it's it's really tough to to maintain that positive mindset. And so I talk a lot about just controlling the controllables. And that's something that we we have always used that line throughout the years. And so really had to just kind of go back to that. And again, it's hard when you yourself are devastated to to keep a positive attitude. But I know my women, I, I love them. And I know that they are going to look to me. And if I'm hurting, it's going to make them hurt even more. So I really had to keep an attitude of hope rather than hurt just so that they, um, they would be okay. So talk about how you were able to do that in the moment where you had to let them know at the championships that this was no longer happening. How were you able to manage the idea of, you know, like you just mentioned, you were hurting. This is not only a goal of theirs, it's a goal of yours, but you have these other responsibilities as someone who's in a leadership role. Yeah, I think really for me, we've had such an incredible season and I've been so proud as a coach, not just this year, but over the last few years, we've done some amazing things. And I think sometimes when something like this happens, it can take away from some of those great things that you do and you're going to end on this note, which is is really unfinished business and and it could it can leave a you know, it can help you, it can really make you spiral downwards. And and I didn't want that to happen. I understand that these women are going to feel things. It's probably going to be sadness right now, but then it's going to turn into anger and shock and disbelief. And, and they're going to have to grieve it just the right way. And I need to be the person. I have to take the bigger role and, and remind them how proud I am of them and make them realize like, look, you guys, we came here and you all were ready to win. And that, that's in my mind, that that's a win right there. It's hard to get women to the line that believe they can win. And, and we had that, which is why it also is a little bit more, um, it's just a little, it hurts a little bit more in the current situation that we were in, but I think it hurts for everyone. And, and I, I mentioned this 
I used to think the hardest part about coaching was when your athletes don't do as well as they could, or they feel like they failed or they get injured. And this last week, I've learned that the hardest part of coaching is not even getting to watch them get on the line and have the opportunity. Um, And so, yeah, I have to be positive. I have to let them know that it's okay. And there's a lot of running left to do and something good is going to come of this. Not really sure what that looks like right now, but just with every hardship that they have ever encountered, something great has happened down the line. And really it's looking for that silver lining, which right now is hard to see, but I'm hopeful that there will be something good that comes from this. And how were you able to approach athletes who were in a situation where you know, maybe certain individuals were like, all right, I want to compete, but they weren't really in a position to necessarily to, to, to win a title, right? Or to compete at the utmost highest level as compared to talking to the athletes who were, you know, right there. Again, like you mentioned, number one in the country, and we're hoping to, you know, put a bow on what has already been a fantastic season. Yeah. So fortunately this year we decided to go all in with, with the two events that we were entered in with the DMR and the women's 3k. And so all of the women there were looking to win a title. And that, that's again, a very rare opportunity, but we had women back at home. So Friday, when we got back, I held a meeting after our department had a meeting just to kind of clarify some things. And, and we had freshmen who, who were waiting to put that uniform on for the first time. We had 50 or six year seniors who were looking to go out, um, and I don't know that they're going to come back. And so again, this means something different for each person, but there were tears all around because it's just as hurtful. And I had to be the one, you know, growing up in my house, we had a plaque that was, and anytime I go through something hard, I'm always reminded of this plaque, but there was a plaque above our kitchen. So you would see it every day. And it just said, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And so I kind of reflected upon that and just, this isn't something we can change. This isn't something they can change. We have to control our attitudes about it. And I had to tell them this hurts. And I understand it hurts differently for every single one of you. And also being at BYU, it's a little bit of a unique situation. I understand that some of these women some of my women are married. Some of them are going to want to start families. They may not necessarily, even if granted that extra year of eligibility, they might not come back and use it. And so that sense of loss is real. And and yeah, I, I understand they're hurting and it is no different for the freshman who was hopeful to put on that uniform than it is for some of my seniors who who were looking to win national titles. Um, and I... I I'm hurting with them and I'm super disappointed that we're in this situation, but I'm really trying to do my best to to have a good attitude for them and make sure that they're okay. I told them this is a really good time for them to focus on, on self-care and reaching out to their loved ones. And there's so many things you miss when you're an athlete and a coach and you're working in the sporting world. And my advice was it's time to focus on other aspects of our life. And over the last three days, I've realized that there aren't a ton of other aspects of our life that don't don't revolve around sports um, right now, especially in March. Um, but yeah, just really trying to be that positive leader and mentor in their lives. And hopefully that helps them retain a positive attitude. You said that beautifully, and 
the uh, the serenity prayer truly is a prayer for all seasons and all situations. And with that said, like you mentioned, you have student athletes that run the gamut. You have the true freshmen all the way to fifth year, sixth year seniors who are adults in every capacity, who have families. In addition, at BYU, you have a large portion of the student population who also is undergoing a Mormon mission of a year or two. Do you have any student athletes who are currently abroad and how are you handling that situation? Yeah, we have a couple athletes who are on missions right now. Actually, the majority of our women just got back. So we have three that just returned. I have a freshman that was looking to go out this June. Again, that is going to look differently. We don't know what the church is going to do. I know right now the the MTC is is closed and some missionaries are coming home early depending on where they're serving. And that, again, is we're a little bit of a holding pattern just to kind of see what that looks like. I haven't gotten word if anyone is being sent home, any one of our missionaries um, on the men's side or the women's side. So we'll kind of stay tuned for that this next week and and see. It's a little bit scary to be out and maybe have to be in isolation and you're already away from home. And so I can't imagine what those kids are going through. Which brings the, the, the next question up here is that you're not able to have the kind of contact that you normally would with your student athletes. So how are you able to manage the communication on your end in a way that not only is timely and effective, but as compassionate and empathetic as it possibly can be? Yeah, uh, we were encouraged to let some of our student athletes, if they wanted to go home since school is remotely online, that that they were able to go home. and. I'm going to just do my best to to reach out to them like I have been doing. We have a group me where we all are posting things. Again, with social media, I think there's a lot you can do with FaceTiming and making sure I call them every week to make sure that that they're in a good space. And for those athletes who we thought might need to talk to someone, such as a therapist, um, we've we've identified those athletes and and made sure that they've been in touch. Because again, we hear that the term sports isn't everything, uh, and, and I certainly agree with that in a, in a bigger, in the bigger picture. However, for these kids, this is their everything. And sometimes going through the loss that they're going through right now, they, they need to reach, reach out and talk to someone and that, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. I, I don't, that's why we have some therapists here. And I think BYU does a great job and we're trying to connect our student athletes that, that need someone else to talk to aside from me um, to make sure that they're connecting with the right people so that they're in a good space mentally. And what are you doing to make sure that your student athletes who are still running hard and still, you know, just for lack of a better term, like they're not sure what to do with their time. So just try to continue with business as usual and they're continuing to train and doing all that, that they're doing so in a you know safe and healthy way. Yeah. So we have kind of a unique situation. We have several athletes that have hit the Olympic trial standard. And right now, for the, you know, pending further notice, right now the Olympic trials are still slated to, to happen at the end of June. So for those athletes, we've just said, let's take this week as a break right now, not a break from running, but just a break from hard training. And you can maintain a lot of fitness, but right now I, I don't really want them to focus on the fitness aspect of it. Right now it's like, just go out and find joy in the simple art of running. And, and maybe they're doing that in solitude. Just go on some runs and be outside, feel the, release the endorphins and, and just get some good runs in. So I'm really trying to take away the pressure of 
hey, we need to do this tempo or we need to do this workout right now. We just, let's just run. And they're going to maintain a ton of fitness and actually probably be in a better state physically, mentally, emotionally, having this little break right now since everything is pushed back and we don't need to be in great shape in May since there isn't an NCAA season. So we can really focus just on that post-collegiate season and that doesn't start for a while. So it's okay to take a break right now. And I'm giving them permission to, to just enjoy life a little bit. I mandated all of them on Friday to go get chocolate, chocolate cake, chocolate cookies. I said chocolate cures everything. So just really trying to help them keep a good space mentally. And I think that's going to be a hard thing, especially because the unknown is is a little bit fearful. Well, Diljeet, I don't run for BYU, but I'm taking that up. I'm going to go have some chocolate. I appreciate you giving me the pass. I'm going to have <laughs> some right now. Do it. Do it. It's it's the best medicine. So coaching your current student athletes and you know, the people who are now, whether they're you know, at BYU or maybe they've recently graduated, who you're coaching on their way to the Olympic trials and things of that nature is a significant part of your job. However, it's not the only part of your job. A major component is also the recruiting aspect. How does all of these cancellations affect your ability to recruit as well as identify potential recruits for not only, you know, for you, like you, I'm sure, aren't recruiting seniors right now. You're probably looking more, uh, you know, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. How has this impacted that part of your job? Well, a lot of the ways that we recruit, especially as track and field coaches, is by results from track meets. And with those being canceled, we're going to have to rely on other outlets, maybe previous performances. I think the shutdown period for the next two weeks at the NCAA, it, it doesn't affect us a ton because right now we're we would have been in the middle of our season. So it's not like we would have been able to do a ton of home visits or go to some meets. However, I think with the remainder of the season, if it continues to be canceled and high school championships are canceled, then I think, yeah, that's going to to change a little bit of how we recruit. We'll have to go on previous years and maybe there'll be some club meets that they'll have in the summer and we can look at that. But it will, it will put a little bit of a delay. Again, our seniors are already committed and signed, most of them, and so we're okay there. It's just going to impact our future recruits. And, and I think they're feeling it too. I've reached out to a ton of our recruits just via telephone and text messaging to just tell them to stay healthy and happy and, you know, keep their head up in this time. And especially my new incoming freshmen that are coming in, I think they're a little bit nervous to, to not have anything from now until August for those guys. And, uh, you build confidence through races, right? We all do. And so those, those incoming freshmen are, probably going to be a little bit more nervous coming in to a collegiate system without having some of those PRs. But I think it's going to be okay. And I have to let them know like, hey, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. Just run for fun. And and the juniors I've reached out to and just control the controllables and just focus on staying healthy and happy and uh, everything will work out. So it, it will impact it a little bit, but I don't think for our sport, um, as long as they can have some some meets, such as like the New Balance and the Seattle Brooks PR meet, those are in June typically. As long as they still have those, which I'm hopeful for, then I think I think we'll be okay. The kids will just be training right now without racing. And sometimes in our sport, when you race so much, you can't train as much. And so I think this will just see a little bit of a reverse and less racing and more training. And I don't think there's harm in that. 
Yeah, I mean, I've read so many articles about that exact topic, about just the overtraining, not overtraining, the overracing that can happen at schools, whether it's high schools or even colleges, right? You have some colleges who have a cross-country program where kids are racing all the time. And again, not that every race has to be all out, but I've spoken to so many college or ex-college runners who just talk about, man, by the time, by the end of it, I was just so burnt out. So you, you make a great point there about, hey, maybe there's a silver lining in terms of not being able to race. You mentioned your communications with your current recruits. However, what about the student athletes in high school who are like, you know what? I want to be recruited by Diljeet Taylor. I want to go to BYU. Or I want to go to these other schools that aren't currently recruiting me, but I, but I think that maybe there's a chance I could get to that level. What kind of recommendations would you give to some of those folks? So we, we do a couple camps in the summer and hopefully we'll still be able to do those where athletes can come and kind of get a week of instruction and running. And I always encourage young kids since we can't really recruit until they enter their junior year of high school for, for athletes to come to these cross country camps that we have. And I think other schools probably do the same, but I think high school runners have become really good advocates for themselves and you can fill out a profile, a recruiting profile. You can email the coaches. I tend to reply to every single email I get from any high school athlete, whatever, um, shape they're in. But I think you're going to find kids are just going to have to be a little bit more upfront about it. And there's no, it's actually great. Sometimes I get emails from kids that weren't even on my radar and all of a sudden this introduction has happened. And then I follow their, their progress and they end up being some of our best recruits. So I think there's no shame in reaching out to coaches and putting yourself out there and then come to, come to the cross country camps. Diljeet, thank you so much for coming on, for talking all of this stuff out. I know so many of our, our listeners are either you know following people who are in these situations or know people who are or just huge fans of the sport. And you are not only one of the best coaches in the country, but such a great advocate for the sport in general. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Matt. Diljeet, thank you so much for coming on and basically giving us the lowdown on everything that's happening in your program, with your athletes, and with some of your potential athletes as well. Obviously, we don't talk about specific recruits because that would be an NCAA violation, but understanding the lay of the land with recruiting, and we can extrapolate out and just say, hey, this is probably happening at the vast majority of programs all around the country. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your information. So for all the people who are listening, thank you so much for doing so. It's been an absolute pleasure interviewing everybody for the Road to the Olympic Trials for the Marathon. At this point, we have only one of those podcasts left, Julia Conan, which will be next week. After that, we have another episode that I can't wait to bring to you. It's with Sarah Ibbotson, who's doing amazing work on the 24501 Club, the women who just missed the Olympic Trials. And then we'll get into the track trials. And I can't wait to tell you who's going to be on that roster. So, Thank you so much for listening, rating, and reviewing the podcast. Have a great day, and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Meta P for the music and his song, Evolution. Deep. I'm a real person, real versions.